0: So, from uh, I see some new faces. My name is Pierre. I'm one of the pastors and elders at SBC. And um, good to be with you. I come from time to time to just keep, keep an eye on you guys here. See if you're still alive and still kicking and still praising God. So, we're looking at loving out. This has been our theme for a long while. And we've been, uh, last week, we've been looking at getting to know your neighbor at work at play and where you stay. And uh, last week we challenged you uh, about um, God's divine appointment and purpose to put you just where he has you. That's his purpose. That's his sovereign will. So you're not there by accident alongside your neighbor that you live next to. And um, it can be a little unsettling if you have some obstinuous neighbors, but um, it also motivates us and stimulates us to realize that we need to pray more for our neighbors, right? I trust that uh, that challenge came last week to you, that not only to pray more, but to be more outgoing towards our neighbors. So today we are gonna continue in this theme, but we are going to tackle the topic of diversity. Many people uh, are migrating uh, to different shores, to different places across the, the globe, more than ever before. And this is a worldwide phenomenon. It's not just happening in our land. Many have left our land. Many have come back to South Africa. Many have come from, from other, other countries um, of, of the world to, to be with us. Um, we, we go to Cape Town from time to time to be with our family. And uh, we, we're just struck by the, the diversity of, of nationalities and languages. You know? and, and they're not just tourists. They're people who, who live there. We, we are a diverse culture, and this is happening even in our city here in East London. In Geneva, Switzerland, we were living over there, and um, surveys uh, have shown that 150 languages are spoken, different languages spoken every day, every day in Geneva. This is one city, one city. It's the most um, cosmopolitan city in the in the world but this is happening all, all over in the last 70 years we've in south africa have gone from a monoculture cultural society to a multicultural society and so how do we respond how do we respond to being a multicultural society well by acceptance first of all by acceptance would you agree with me so the first point that I want to make is accepting diversity does not come naturally. Accepting diversity doesn't come naturally. And sometimes it's, it's difficult. Down the centuries, we know that, that nations have, by and large, cared for their own kind. They've favored their own kind by way of salvation and by way of love and, and care. And Jonah is a prime example of this, is he not? Now, just hold it there for a moment. I'm going to come back to Jonah. But just to remind ourselves and to remind Jonah of God's mandate. And in, and in Psalm 67 and verses 1 and 2, it says, May God be gracious to us and bless us, Israel, and make his face to shine upon us that, you may, uh, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. And so here we see that God's blessing, God's favor, God's salvation is not just for Israel, but it's for the whole world. Amen? It's for the whole world. And God chose Abraham to be the father of the Jewish nation, but he also chose Abraham to be the father of all nations of of the world. In Genesis chapter 17, sorry we haven't got overheads for that, and uh, verses 5 and 6 you will see that, that there will be some of every time and every nation in the kingdom of God. But Abram is our forebear. Abram is our father, our spiritual father. We're united with him. And God took him outside in Genesis 15 and verse 5. He took him outside and he, he showed him the stars. And he said, count them if you can, Abram. Those are going to be your offspring. And he said, your offspring will be as numerous as the sand on on the seashore. Every tribe and every nation. And we're part of that. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that amazing? That that we related to Abraham. How many thousands of years ago we spiritually united to him. And there are estimated 2 billion people across the globe. And how many nationalities, how many nations are under the banner of, of Christ? and are related to to Abraham. Okay, so let's get back to Jonah then. So that's the background of it. Jonah knew that. So Jonah's commissioned to go and to preach, preach to this extremely sinful Gentile city of Nineveh. And instead of obeying God, and instead of obeying his mandate to reach the world, he runs. He runs away from God's commission. And you know the rest of the story, don't you? When I ask you, uh, what, 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 do you th- what comes to your mind immediately when, when I ask you, um, when I mention the, 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 the book of Jonah, what comes to your mind? A fish, right? Huh? no. Nah. But it's not primarily about a fish. And in John Piper's words, it's about racism, ethnocentrism, the hardness of heart towards other people's groups. That's what this book is all about. It's hard hitting, isn't it? But that's the message of Jonah. That's the message of the book of, of Jonah. This this man was commissioned to preach to this extremely sinful Gentile city with thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, and he knew that, that they would respond. If they responded, God would forgive him. And he was upset with God because of that. How selfish, how self centered is that. Let me wind forward to the 21st century and, and give you an illustration or two. We were in Howick. We were church planting. We were doing door-to-door work. We, we reached out, amongst other things, into an area in Howick West, which is predominantly um, uh, an Indian area. And um, we were so well-received. We said, can we pray for you guys? Um, we're from the Baptist church. We, we love you guys. We were given tea. Um, it, it, was, it was amazing. It was astounding. And we won folk to the Lord. They came into our church, and uh, we baptized them. And, uh, and after a while, some of these guys asked for membership. And there was kickback from some of the congregation and some of our leaders. Needless to say that that was overruled. I pushed hard for that. For them to come in? And they came in. They were wonderful people. They were wonderful servants of God, uh, declaring His praises and um, marvelous times together in fellowship with them. Now, now that happened in 1979. Just let me go back in in years. That's when we church planted in 1979, long before the abolishment of apartheid. And so there was still this, this... This mindset, this segregation mindset. And we've come a long way from there, have we we not? We've come a long way. I mean, they are multicultural, multinational congregations and, and so on. But you know what? We can change laws, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it changes our hearts. Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean... People have said to me, since the party has stopped, why why should we why should we be reaching out multiculturally? I said that's God's mandate. And and, and I said, so what is your what is your issue? What is your problem? Now they're going to bring in hohos. What, what, what do you mean by that? Like, now they're, the uh, spirits. So I said, let me let me tell you, we had a multicultural congregation in Durban, we were 40% mainly Indian and some black folk, and we were 60% white. We had an amazing time of fellowship together. They were amazing people. We mixed amazingly well. And you, you know they were talking about demon possession. You know what, what demons we had to confront was in, was in white people. It was in my own race. It was in my own tribe. And so we need to kill that thing that is not from God. Jesus said, let me, let me first say, accepting diversity doesn't come naturally, as we've said. But we are born-again believers, and, and God has given us the supernatural capacity to love every single person on this planet. Jesus set the example by going out of his way to show love and acceptance, to a Samaritan woman, and to the village. He made a special trip to this to this village to reveal his love and acceptance to, to this village and to this person. You know the story in um, John chapter 4 and uh, how he was speaking to this woman at the well. The disciples had gone to buy food. They came back and they were aghast at the fact that he was speaking to a Samaritan. They were hated by the Jews. They, they were despised by the Jews. They were scum in, in, in Jewish eyes. And, and it was a woman that he was speaking to. Jesus had bro- broken protocol like big time. Big time. And this woman was told all about her life by Jesus. And uh, Jesus um, revealed himself she said we're expecting the messiah and he he said i'm that man i'm the messiah and she hurried on back to her little village and 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 told the people and the people came and the people asked him to stay for two days or stay and then john chapter 4 and verse 40 is, is this recorded is this message recorded And he stayed two days. Two days. A Jew would not give one second to a Samaritan. Not one second. Not one second. He stayed two days. What an example. Breaking the barriers. Jesus did this because he had a genuine love for people. Genuine love for people. And he was also making a statement to the fact that diversity doesn't come naturally to us and it might be difficult. Nevertheless, we need to put aside our prejudices. We do. We really do need to put aside our prejudices. Jesus told another parable. A Jewish man came to him one day and and said, uh, who's my neighbor? Trying to justify himself from from, uh, only loving another Jew, a Jew to a Jew. And Jesus told him the parable of the Samaritan. You know the story, how the priest, the Jewish priest, sees this man. He's badly beaten up. He's left for dead. He's been stripped naked, probably bleeding profusely, and he goes on to the other side of the road. A Levite does the same. And a Samaritan, this despised Samaritan of the Jews, goes and washes his wounds, transports him to an inn, pays for his recuperative time in the inn. And so Jesus, to rabbi in, makes the Samaritan the hero of the story. He was conveying a message that those that the Jews despised, Jesus loved with a passion, and so must we. Secondly, God is the source of diversity. Diversity is an expression of God, is it not? One God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-existent. And so the Trinity displays the principle of unity and diversity. And to suppress diversity is to express a characteristic of God himself. God created uh, mankind, did he not? He breathed life into Adam, and through Adam came the, all the tribes of the world, all the, all the different languages of the world. At one time, they, they were monolanguage, there was just one language. And, 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 and God diversified those languages, and He thrust those people to the ends of the world. They looked different, they spoke differently. You know, when, when sometimes when people speak in a different language, like Chinese, I think, how do they understand each other? You know, it's like so foreign to you. (laughs) Uh, We're so diverse. But you know, even though we're so diverse, we have the spirit of the living God within us. We have the image of God within each and every single person. Diversity. Diversity. There's extreme diversity in all of God's creation. Countless uh, insect varieties Bird, fish, animal species, not to mention plants, flowers, trees, climatic conditions. Every human being is unique. Isn't that amazing? Unique. No one like you in all the world. Praise God for that. A snowflake. Every, every snowflake is different. It has a different pattern. Unique. It's incredible. Diversity, diversity, diversity. And so when we look at the bigger picture of who God is in his diversity and what he's created in his diversity, we are forced to realize that we need to embrace it, especially when it comes to our fellow human beings. We need to embrace them and love them with a passion, the the same passion that Jesus had. Thirdly, the gospel demands diversity. Gospel demands diversity. Can you imagine the Jewish reaction in the time of Jesus when he went and he was crucified and and he rose from the dead and he ushered in a new dispensation? Can you imagine the horror of these Jews who had this false notion, they knew the scriptures but they didn't know the scriptures. This false notion that they were the bee's knees, they were the only nation of the world. They were the chosen people of the world. And um, I mean, that, that's what Hitler had in his mind, right? That's why he tried to uh, annihilate the Jewish nation and, 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 and others that sided with them. They had this notion that, that everybody else was second rate, second class. And here was Jesus, and uh, he just disrupts everything. <coughs> and he causes a, a bombshell to, to erupt. First of all, on the day of Pentecost, thousands of people are, are, are converted and Gentiles are converted. Gentiles are brought in to the kingdom of God. I mean, scandalous. This is scandal. Hendrickson says the Gentiles BC before Christ were Christless, friendless, stateless, hopeless, and godless. And outside Jesus Christ, that's you too. If Jesus isn't your Savior, you're Christless, friendless, stateless, hopeless, and godless. And you need Jesus to come in to your life and change you. And then secondly, his disciples were commanded by Jesus in Acts chapter one to tarry in Jerusalem. So so that the Holy Spirit would come upon you, and when the Holy Spirit came upon you, you would have power, and you would be witnesses in Jerusalem. Can you, can you carry on that? Jerusalem and? Judea, Samaria, and to the utmost parts of the world. Everywhere. Every person is included. Every person is included That was a shock to them. And even to the Jewish Christians, too. Because they were just getting their heads around this thing. Can you imagine being in that? And like, what? You know, it's like our Jewish, you know, preference and status and everything's changing. And then they were quite happy to be Jewish uh, and, and Christian in Jerusalem. And the majority of Christians were Jews at that time. But they became comfortable, and they wouldn't go to the utmost parts of the world. And so, in chapter eight, it's recorded that God sent a persecution, and because they were persecuted, they fled, and they took the gospel far and wide, and people got saved. And then, in Acts chapter two and verse forty-two, it says that they they had fellowship together in each other's homes. And here was Jew and Gentile, slave and master, rich and poor, male and female, worshipping together, side by side, in close proximity. That, That was quite a shock to some Jews of the time. And then five, an angel commanded Philip, you remember, in Acts chapter 8 and verse 26 onwards, to go and leave the revival and to go and preach to a man from Africa, an Ethiopian, uh, uh, Ethiopian eunuch. And he comes alongside him. The man had visited Jerusalem for the Jewish festival. He was searching for God, and he led him to Christ. And so the gospel is taken back to Africa of all places. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? God's love for all continents. And then 6, Peter has a vision. He's in this trance and he has this vision of all sorts of animals and some unclean animals included. And, and God says to him, Peter, eat, kill and eat. And he says, no, God, no, no, Lord, I, these are un, un, unclean. He said, nothing that I've made is unclean and not other nationalities either. Go, I've chosen you to go and to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and a call comes, and he goes, and he has to go into a Gentile home. It's forbidden for Jews to go into a Gentile home. It's forbidden. But he knows that this is God, and he knows that God is doing a new thing. Another barrier is broken. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And then uh, 7. The gospel was tearing down barriers, was it not? Not of division and hostility created by culture and by class. Ephesians 2, we read earlier on. The barrier, the wall of division has been destroyed. Do you remember the time when Peter was publicly rebuked by Paul for his hypocrisy? He'd been, he'd been eating with the Gentiles. And here comes this Jewish delegation from Jerusalem, and when he hears that they, they were coming, he stopped eating with the, the Gentiles for fear of, the, of these people. They were the circumcision group. They were holding on to their Jew, Jewish roots so strongly that they didn't want this mingling. And can you imagine what it, what it was like for the Gentiles at the time? Here was, here was Peter eating with us, and these other guys come. And suddenly, oh, I can't eat with you anymore. What hypocrisy is that? uh, Galatians 2, uh, and especially verse 2 and 12, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separated himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. You see, his fear of man made him less fearful of God it always does. Or to put it the other way, he feared man more than he feared God. He reverenced man more than he reverenced God. It's, it's not what man thinks. It's what God thinks. It's what not what man says. It's what God says. that That's important. Are you with me? Are you there? Are you in agreement? When, when we're fearful of mixing with other ethnic groups because of what our, our group says, our culture says, our ethnicity says, then we're doing exactly the same thing as Peter did. Bayes Nordi and, and many other white folk were called sellouts and were called other names that you know uh, because they befriended black folk and they stood with them in their struggle for human dignity. And now when we look back on that, they're heroes actually. They're actually standing up for folk that were dehumanized. We must never be fearful of doing the right thing in God. In God. Living right in God. No matter what cultural dictates to us. Persecution may come to our country. And we need to stand for what is right, for what we believe. We can't be turncoats like Peter. You know, do one thing one moment, do do another thing another time. The fear of having our culture changed is very real. When different nationalities come together under the same roof. But remember that our chief and our primary response is to being children of the Most High God. That's our prime kingdom. We're we're part of the kingdom of God, right? First and foremostly, we're children of God. We're children of God. It's a new culture. It's a different culture. And someone has said um, uh, at one time there were Jews, and then the rest of the world were Gentiles. There were only two cultures. There were only two tribes. But now there's the third tribe. Christians, part of the kingdom of God. Our names are lit, written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Lamb's Book of Life. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of proud of uh, and, and, and hold on to my, my, my Swiss roots, but it's nothing compared to being part of God's family here on earth and in the heavenlies. We're part of that. And, and it'll be like that for all eternity, you know, when I'm in eternity one day, I'm like, being South African or being Swiss, huh? What was that all about? Make a big deal about being Swiss or being South African or being German or being Italian or being Spanish or being whatever. You know, I speak this language or that language or the other language. Even if we speak gibberish, um, yeah, we're proudly. Sw- uh, uh, we're proudly part of God's kingdom. And I want to end uh, with this. The heading is sorry we don't have it overheads. Through the gospel, God has placed us into one body, one spirit. Ephesians 2, 5, 1 Corinthians twelve, thirteen. One kingdom and one king, Ephesians two nineteen. One household with one father. We are family. We're family. It's wonderful to be family. When I got saved, to come into the family of God was like enormous, enormous for me. It was like, whoa, I have brothers, sisters, uncles, and aunties, grandparents. I have, I, I'm, I'm, I'm related to these people spiritually. I'm united with them. We're bonded together. One building with one foundation. We are the dwelling place of God, Ephesians 2, 21. And 22. Are you part of God's kingdom? Are you part of God's family? Are you going to be there in glory one day? Or are you going to be separated from him? I don't know everyone here today. And there was a moment in my life when I had to say, I'm not part of that. I want to be part of that. And I accepted Jesus into my life. And he, he so transformed my life. My, my parents, who were not Christians, they, they wanted to take me to a, a psychologist because they thought I'd, I'd lost it. And then they saw the peace and the joy, and, and they said, we want that. Took my dad a little bit longer. But if you want his peace and joy, and if you want to be known as, as children, of the, as the child of God, there's this opportunity for you today to, to do that. May I encourage you to embrace all peoples. The stamp of God is upon them. The images, image of God is upon them. And it changes our attitude towards people, no matter what language, culture, skin color, whatever it is. Because this is our mission, right, on, on earth. And I would encourage you to, to go into your area. Go into your area. We went once a month to, to Howick West, where the Indian folk were. And we were so well received. We were so blessed. We were more blessed by the, the welcome, by not Christian folk. They weren't hostile to us. And what we said is, are there needs? Can we pray for any needs in your family? And then they started asking questions about our church and what, what, what we did and what we had available with something for the children, something for the teenagers. Um, and then they, they asked about Jesus, and we shared with them. Can I challenge you to do the same? Can I challenge you to reach out into your area? This is why we're here. This is why God's placed us in this, in this area, so that we might win this area. You make that a matter of prayer. I'm, I'm trusting we'll hear good things in months and years ahead when I come back and we see different faces. And like, wow! Yes, and no, we, we went out once a month and went. We knocked on some doors and people came in. People came to know Christ. That's what we're about. What a joy to know and to serve this great King, this great God that we're going to stand before one day. Otherwise, it's fun and games. We're praying. And we're just coming here for ourselves, coming to tick the box, been here, done that. Let's pray. Our God, our Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your love for all people. You created all people, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that you set the example, you showed the way. We've got so many neighbors at work, at play, and where we stay, in this, in this area that we live in. Help us to be proactive, Lord. Help us to be reaching out. Help us not to, even as Christians, look down our nose on on others who are not born again. That that is a form of spiritual pride that is akin to uh, Pharisees and Sadducees. So come, Lord, come into our hearts and take away prejudice, take away anything that will hinder us uh, from reaching out like, like never before. Thank you, Lord. We're going to stand before you one day and give an answer for that. And pray that if any do not know your Savior here today, that they will come and speak to us and we can share with them how Jesus can become their Lord and their King, can become part of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' wonderful name. And the people said? Amen.